Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. David, are you ready? I'm ready to roll. Oh, I'm ready. The people are ready. Let's go. Welcome to Money Savage Engage. This is George Grumbacher. David Taylor Klaus is a PCC, a CPCC, a CTPC. He's a coach. He's the author of Mindset Mondays with DTK. I'm excited to have you on. David, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Huh. So it, it uh, I love the question asked me about my personal life or or what I do because I try to lump it all together. Yes. Like first things first, you know, father, husband, parent, uh, son. My mom always reminds me I'm supposed to say son as well, right? Um and so let's play with it this way. I'll do this differently than I normally answer it. The the work that I'm here to do is about unearthing and unleashing the power of the heart. So that drives my parenting, my partnering, my leadership, my coaching. It's the undercurrent of everything I do. So the reason I do this is because, George, I did it wrong for a really long time. And humans are wired in such a way that when we learn a lesson, we are compelled to teach it. We see that repeated throughout history. We see it with humans. We see it with other animals as well. So it's, I learned how to reorient my life and recalibrate it and focus around what's important and then architect my business to support the life that I wanted to create. And when I learned how to do that, I learned how to become a coach. And then I started doing that professionally for other people. Awesome. So you're doing it wrong before. Tell me a little bit about oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Because I'm a word nerd, my favorite way to describe it is I spent a great number of years living the should life instead mm. of the good life. I was – my partner and I launched a brilliant internet strategy and web development company in fourth quarter of 1995. So super early. We used to have to teach people what – Siri wants to talk to me. So I, I, we used to have to teach people what the internet was so we could sell them a website, right? So it was exciting. No, Siri, I can't. <laughs> Leave me alone, Siri. <laughs> oh, my God, the technology. I'm having a conversation with George, Siri. With just one person. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um. We had a lot of fun at the beginning, and then it felt like I was focused on building the company I thought I should mm. and taking the projects I thought I should and hiring the people I thought I should and worse, leading the way I should and not naturally from who I am. And that caught up with me after about 10 years in business, and I got freaking depressed. I got disconnected from my family. I got disconnected from everything. And there's no reason that entrepreneurs and senior leaders should get to the point of wanting to jump off a bridge to figure out what's important. We can raise the bottom. We can craft the life we want 
and really architect our business to support it. I, and I hammer that point all the time because I wasn't. Got it. Yeah. So 10 years in, you're living how you should and not at all how you want. And it's not serving you. It's causing you to, to be unhealthy and unhappy and all that. Was 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 there like a rock bottom or, or some kind of a trigger where you finally said, OK, got to change? Uh, yeah, oddly, it was Hurricane Katrina weekend. Huh. It's August of 2005. And my wife and I are driving back into Atlanta after uh, an event. And I, I I got clear that the only thing I knew at that point yeah, we're going dark, um, was the five best ways to kill myself. Hmm. And I had it all planned out. And I realized the rock bottom moment was I couldn't find a reason to stay that was for me. Hmm. Now, I had learned that children of parents who commit suicide are 50 times more likely to attempt it in their lifetime. Wow. And man, that's not the legacy I wanted for my kids. No. That's not what I'm here for. So I stayed for them. Well, less dramatically, I turned it around for them. And and one of the things I know about entrepreneurs, it's it can be kind of isolating. And connecting to a motivation for anything you're doing is the only way it gets done. Should is not enough of a motivation. It's not a strong enough or long enough motivation. And when I realized it was about what I wanted to be for my family, for my kids, the legacy I wanted to create, that was a motivation enough. And that's why I did the work. Nice. And so now it's, it's, you, 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 you did the work, you figured out how to, how to earn a living doing what you want mm -hmm. and so now it's it's unearthing un, unleashing the power of your heart tell me more about that yeah there uh there's a difference between being a leader and doing leadership i was doing leadership mm -hmm. i was reading the books i was taking classes i was figuring out the should aspect of it but the the difference is it wasn't naturally from who I am and what's important to me. Um, concept I, I play with a lot is when Michelangelo talked about sculpture, he said he didn't carve the figure. He freed the figure from the stone. He chipped away everything that wasn't true, that mm -hmm. wasn't the figure. And that's a lot of what this work is about unearthing and unleashing the power of the heart. It's clearing away what's not authentic, what's not natural. It's something that happens naturally when you, you hit the, we used to call it a midlife crisis. I like to refer to it as midlife clarity. When you get into the late forties, early fifties and start figuring out all the things that don't feel right, don't feel true and culling those parts of your life, the best leaders I've ever worked with, the most powerful leaders I've ever followed or served are the ones who begin to clear out what's inauthentic earlier in their lives and winnow down to what's true for them. And that's listening not just to the truth that's in your head, but what's coming from that somatic intelligence, from heart and gut and body. And there's a, 
different way of listening, a different way of being, a different way of leading when you're clear on who you be, who you are at your core. And it's a different way of talking about leadership and it's a different way of leading. Is it, is, is, is it a function that, that we're obviously born that way to, to trust our gut and our instincts because we don't know any better and then we're conditioned to, to get pulled away from that and then exactly. it's life is a long journey home to, to, to kind of get back to that? Yeah, and I wish I could remember the author. Maybe you'll find it and put it in the show notes. Guy talks about we're all born perfect gems, perfect diamonds. And then through our education and acculturation process, layer and layer and layer of bullshit is wrapped around that perfect stone. And then in our 30s or so, we start painting over that with a thick color paint to make it look better and smell better. And then we spend our 50s chipping all the shit away to get back to that perfect stone in the middle. And so, yeah, it is a matter of coming back home to what's natural. Here's what's fascinating about our brains. There are orders of magnitude more signals and information coming from the body to the brain than there is from the brain coming to the body. Mm. And yet we seem to prioritize the information that comes from our head and the answers that come from our head. Oh my God, everything's made up, George. It's, 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 something occurs and we attach meaning to it. Yeah, That meaning is purely fabricated out of our experience. So if everything's made up, why not make up something that serves why not choose how we frame our experience one of the things that that i wrote about in the introduction to my book i shared a quote that carl jung got credit for but it's actually a couple thousand years older than that and it's we do not see the world as it is we see the world as we are and that's powerful because if we see the world as we are as we change the lens through which we see the world we change the way we experience it, which is incredibly powerful. We are ultimately in control of the way we experience this world. And the more that we understand how to harness that, the more we can create here while we're here. I love all that. So number one, how, how do we do that? <laughs> I guess let's just, let's just talk about that. Um, it's a matter of choosing and this, this, I, I've had some fascinating conversations and this tends to piss some people off and some of your listeners will be angry or, or good, stop good, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's about intention, being clear about what you want to create. And we have to choose. We are always at every moment in our day, at every moment in our life, we are at choice. And so often we react to the world around us, which is an unconscious, uh, uh, primitive way of being in the world. We react unconsciously to what's around us as opposed to responding, which is a constant response, a, a conscious way of interacting with the world. And so it starts by being responsible and respondable to the thoughts that we have. There's a, there's a concept from the 12-step world which is incredibly freeing that we are not responsible for our first thought. Hmm. That's reflexive. We are, however, responsible for our second thought. So it's about bringing intention to our second thought. And when we make a decision, there's a cool idea. If I want to choose, now your folks can't see this, but you can. 
<laughs> if I want to choose between this blue pen and this black pen, if I choose the blue pen, I merely put down the black one. When I decide on one of them, when I decide on, on, the, black, on the blue pen, I throw the black pen away. I cut that out. Decide, the Latin root of that is decere, to cut. So when we are deciding on what we want in our world, we are cutting away the things that we don't want. And that's how firmness needs to be. We are always at a place where we can decide what we want to create. And leaders decide what they want to be true. Then they go about creating the conditions for that truth to become reality. That's how we do this. Decide what it is we wish to be true and then set about creating the conditions for that truth to become reality. Now, why would people get mad about that? <laughs> because it's telling them that they're responsible for their outcomes. Oh. And a lot of folks go through this world living a reported on life. This happened to me. That happened to me. All of these things are happening to me. I'm not in control of my world. That's actually bull. You can live a created life. I am responsible for deciding what I want and creating it. Not very popular with people, but it is with some. Those are our leaders. Yeah. And being able to, to accept that as reality so why is it that it takes life experience being in your late 30s, 40s, 50s to start to recognize that and then to start putting this into action versus 20? Because we're stubborn. We have confirmation and we have confirmation bias that humans are evidence collecting machines. It's what we're brilliant at. We decide something and then we we use a filter of confirmation bias is, is the more technical name we we attach meaning to everything that happens around us to confirm what it is that we already believe and who our brains are sort of wired not in our favor when it comes to change the more often we follow a given neural pathway the more myelin the more little fatty sheath is put onto that long nerve and the more fat, the more of a myelin sheath there is on that nerve, the faster and more smoothly the electric current goes across that nerve. So it's the more we do something, the more likely we are to do it again. So to change behavior, we have to consistently repeat another action or consistently hold another thought or belief. And we have to do that repeatedly for long enough so that the other neural pathway withers and the new neural pathway gets more myelin, more fatty deposit, more likely to be the course. So we live in a world where people like the fix it answer. They like a switch flip solution. And it takes three to four weeks, depending on whose research you prefer, to build a new habit, to embed a new thinking pattern. That's at the minimum. And we are like the barn happy horse, where as soon as you get off the horse, it runs back to the barn because that's where it's comfortable. Hmm. We do the same thing with comfortable habits and thinking patterns and that which is familiar. So they say learning happens, doesn't happen in your comfort zone. It happens outside the comfort zone. So it takes us often a couple of decades to beat our head against the wall to realize it's not moving the wall. <laughs> the barn happy horse. Yeah. I think that that I think that that makes a lot of sense. So, 
when 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 people hear this do they then have a tendency to overshoot or undershoot what they want their life to be like wow undershoot all the time <laughs> because people underestimate what they're actually able to create so i i think that what i've seen in my practice for the last 12 years is that people understretch they don't dream big enough they don't plan big enough they've been i think the lesson for many has been don't aim too high you'll fail you'll be miserable you'll be sad <laughs> and i think that's that is sad the challenge we have is people even when they do dream big they try to swing for the fence at every single at bat it's the and, and not that i use sports analogies a lot, but it's the base hits that win the game. It's dreaming bigger than you've ever dreamed before, yet taking the smallest actions possible to move that forward. I've heard Rich Littman use that language over and over again for the last several years, and it makes incredible sense. You've got to dream big, but it is these small actions repeated over time that have the snowball effect that we need to move forward. And that actually speaks to another thing, George. Culturally, we sort of suck at celebrating. I know that e even within a company that I co-led, my God, every time we nailed a goal or an achievement, it was like, great, check, next. There, we had an institutional structure that didn't leave space for acknowledging the wins and celebrating them. We just plowed forward to the next big goal. Yeah. Well, that sort of creates a thing where we only celebrate the massive wins, barely, and not the incremental pieces that move us towards that win in the first place. When we do that, when we celebrate and train ourselves to celebrate the wins that we have at any level going forward, it's amazing how much more as individuals, as teams, as organizations, as communities, as countries, we can accomplish. We just have to retrain ourselves. Amen. I think that that's excellent right there. So that that strikes me that uh, that for people who 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 might uh, be, I guess I don't want to say doubtful, but not sure. Okay, great. So David's telling me that I can accomplish anything that I want as long as I you know I'm an intentional. Okay, fine. But then you are saying, but it's not going to come easy. You do need to get up and do the work every day and focus on what you need to be doing on a daily basis. I, I would think yeah, that, that I, I noticed you conflated two things together. It's yes, you've got to get up and do the work every day, but you also attached to that, that it's not going to be easy. It's getting up and doing the work every day actually is the easy part. It's doing the small step by step. I, I, I in the book, that I wrote, Mindset Mondays with DTK, there's something in there called the Rewire Framework. I built this book with uh, Laurie Shires. We built this book incredibly intentional, in, in an incredibly intentional way. The chapters are short, readily digestible, and immediately actionable. Just going through these chapters gives folk a sense of accomplishment as they roll. We're practicing what we preach. They're not these 50-page chapters that people are stopping in the middle to read more tomorrow and more tomorrow, which just degrades their sense of accomplishment. This is literally, these are things they can take action on. And at the end of every single chapter, 
are six prompts with the rewire framework to help them take what they've learned in that chapter and start implementing it in their world right away. So learning, practice, repetition. So this book is designed for folks to actively change their world and do it in a way that is easy and engaging. And in fact, I've got a number of folks who have written in who are using the rewire framework for other things that they're learning and working on and other mindsets they're working with and other thought processes. They're adapting the rewire framework in other arenas because it's a way to take learning and make it real. Love it. I love it, David. Beautiful. Well, David, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? Yeah. Um, know your currencies. The, we, what I want for Savage Nation is to stop using money as a measure of their success. It's not. Money is just the fungible asset that you use to fund your real currencies. And your real currencies are very personal and individual, whether it's time, freedom, travel, community, time with kids, time with whatever it may be. Each of us has our own portfolio of real currencies the things that move us, the things for which we will work, the things to which we're emotionally attached and driven by. Those are the things by which one measures their success. They are inherently much more successful and fulfilled. Money's just how we fund those things. Well, I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets, come on. Come on. David, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they pick up a copy of Mindset Mondays with DTK? Well, of course, Amazon owns the world, right? So Mindset yes. Mondays with DTK is on Amazon. However, if you go to MindsetMondaysWithDTK.com, you can get information about the book, link to Amazon, but also download the rewire framework so you can start to play with it. And there's other information in there about the Mindset Mondays Accelerator and other opportunities to engage in the content. Love it. Well, Savage awesome. Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show David your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to MindsetMondaysWithDTK.com, pick up a copy of the book there, download the blueprint, and take advantage of all the other great resources that David has on the site. Thanks again, David. Thrilled to be here. Thanks for letting me play. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.